Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore, the show. I'm your host, Tom Gowker, and tonight we have the opportunity to listen to episode two of the R&B Teddy Bears. Tonight, it's Marvin Gaye. Let's listen in. Something came from Baltimore. Baltimore. Episode two of the R&B Teddy Bears, Marvin Gaye. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide Welcome to another edition of Something Came From Baltimore. I'm your host, Tom Gowker, and tonight we're on our second episode of six called the R&B Teddy Bears. The R&B Teddy Bears are amazing and talented soul singers who connected emotionally with women, but the guys liked them also. We interviewed musicians for the last year just to get their opinion on these artists. The R&B Teddy Bears are Gerald Levert, Marvin Gaye, Isaac Hayes, Barry White, Teddy Pendergrass, and Luther, Luther Vandross. Tonight, our musician that we are talking about is the one and only Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye is an artist who wore his heart on his sleeve. His musicianship and vision is crazy. With one of the best albums of all time under his belt, What's Going On, easily add Let's Get It On, I Want You, Hear My Dear, and Midnight Love. He is the best of what he does, and he's going to be loved by generations to come. We're talking about the R&B teddy bear, the icon Marvin Gaye. Listen to the following artists chat about Marvin Gaye. Blue singer Kelly Bell from the Kelly Bell Band. Jazz vocalist Ed Turner. Genre-busting singer-songwriter Darnell Miller. Blues singer and musician Vanessa Cullier. Jazz pianist Lafayette Gilchrist and the funk master Duke Benjamin. Ladies and gentlemen, R&B teddy bear, the icon Marvin Gaye. I won't die alone. Oh man, Marvin, man. I mean, my thoughts is that he was so. People call him tortured. I don't call him tortured. I call him he was connected. He was always in between two worlds. And I think there, you know how in the Bible you have uh, BC and AD? There's like, I always feel like there's two different Marvins. There's the Marvin in the early stages of Motown, that Marvin, and then there's the Marvin after what's going on. <laughs> like, that's two different Marvins. I've always, even to me, it even feels like two different people. They don't, they don't want nobody with a high pitch. They want somebody that's going to growl at you. Mm-hmm. That's what they and, then, and in his case, you know, it's just like, this is sex music. But you know we don't have to get we don't have to get dirty. We're, we'll get dirty. Yeah. But the music doesn't have to get dirty. No, I bet you there was a lot of Marvins in the seventies that were were born. Yes, Marvin was he was sacred and sacred and sexual at this, which is really great. I love that combination. Marvin was a hundred percent totally that. Yeah. He he walked those lines. Checking for 
very, very sad timeline personally. Um, the stuff that went on with him and his dad. And on top of that, um, the drugs and just the stuff that makes people choose not to get in the show business. Yeah, he was the poster boy of why some choose not to get in the show business. Um, just very happy and sad all at once when I think of Marvin Gaye. I, I really don't know what to say. And, and he and he he did it through his music. He he expressed his pain through his music as well, um, joy and pain. Just like uh, Frankie Beverly and Mays, who he discovered, he is the poster boy of joy and pain. You know, when you say your marriage vows, they're supposed to be for real. I mean, if you think back about what you really said, you know, about honoring, loving, and obeying until death do us part. But it shouldn't be that way. It should. It should it shouldn't be lies because though it turns out to be lies if you don't honor what you say you've lied to God the words should be changed now as I recall we <laughs> When did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you off the Hear My Dear album? It's he's bitter as hell on there. But it's done Marvin Gaye style, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And there's many more. Like I love here, I love here, my dear. This is the weirdest thing about here, my dear, is it's a double album, and when he he married Anna Gordy, which was Barry Gordy's sister. They divorced. It was kind of ugly. And, you know, Barry, I mean, they were all, everyone's young and they had a lot of pressure. The He didn't have any money, believe it or not. In 1976, yeah. he was poor. He had nothing. So the court told him he had to, the next album that he wrote, all the money goes to, to Anna. And uh, so he wrote this album called Here My Dear. It means like here... This is it. This is what I'm giving you. Your, this is your money. It's a it's a um, gut wrenching double album about the breakup, about how they felt about each other, how he feels now. Um, and then he had this one song that was eight minutes long, and it's um, it, it was a disco song that was really ridiculous. And it's a disco yeah. song that he knew that wasn't going to do well, so she wouldn't get money. It's a kiss and tell like biography along with a horrible song. But through the years, um, I was looking at um, a commercial on TV and it was some kind of um, runway models were, were running the newest fashions in Paris. They were playing that Barry, the, the, the Marvin Gaye song. So, uh, you know, obviously people kind of relate to it in some way, but it's a really personal, personal album. And, uh, Anyone who's been through a breakup would go, okay, all right, I can relate to that.
and I think everyone would pick what's going on as their favorite album. Of course, my album is what's going on because even to this day, I discover something new about it. And I, I almost feel like that's the type of that's the me- that's the type of message I'd like to always make. Still connected in between two worlds. I mean, holy, holy, God is my friend. What's happening, brother? And it's such a story. Like if you listen to it, it's such a story. And then the stuff that he was doing, tech. Well, who's that thing in the background? That's him. That's you know what I mean. Whatever, whatever. Like the things that he was doing. Um, yeah, that's bar none my favorite album. Um, and and that to me is such a pivotal, such a pivotal song. I, I mean, his voice is incredible. He, I feel like he's like one of those guys that could just sing anything, and it was it's so buttery smooth, just amazing. Like I'll turn that on if I just want to like relax at home. Um, I'll just turn turn some Marvin Gaye on and and you think about it because it's a lot of it is is social movement music as well yeah. you know um, that song in particular and the follow up um, it's, it's just yeah I mean it's a call to action but it it does it in like this subtle way I think you know just this way that grabs your attention so I, I've loved Marvin Gaye and I haven't even dug through all of his records yet I keep trying every time I get on a road trip. <laughs> Well, the thing is that he had to fight for that connection because he was promoted, you know, as a sex symbol. And what he had to make the folk understand is, I'm a man. You see? I'm a man in the world. You had to make folk understand that. And sometimes when you're a sex symbol, that's that's difficult. And then for him, that was all the same ride, see? It seemed like that was all a part of the same ride. Because, you know, he had to fight Barry Gordy to, to make that record, uh, what's going on. You know, he had to, cause Barry, and Barry Gordy freely admits that he was wrong he said look I, I didn't really want Marvin to make that record you know cause we were doing great with Marvin as a romantic sex symbol we was doing good business <laughs> with Marvin as Marvin Gaye as just a romantic sex symbol but Marvin Gaye had to insist that like no I'm more than that I'm a man who feels deeply about what the state of the world is. And I'm gonna talk about it. And that's the most important, to me, what's going on is, is that's gotta be one of the most important records anybody ever made. And it's one of the best. This one is interesting because of the backstory. Is, let's get it on. What's the backstory? So the backstory is the the, the before mentioned wife. <laughs> she made her first appearance in the recording studio. 
and he was taken aback, and I think she was young, and he was trying to impress her. So really, that vocal take, those vocal takes, is him like singing it to her and trying to impress her while she's in the studio. Like so, he was singing, he was singing like he wanted to get something. In his case, I would say that a lot of his songs were like he was early sex talk songs. They weren't vulgar. More, I mean, uh, you're sure like the ball or whatever is, would be about as vulgar as he got. But I mean, he wasn't vulgar, but he definitely um, no. it was it was it was definitely sexually charged. It was um, like pillow talk, uh, but also very cool. I can't say what I thought when I saw him on TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. He always had some good sexuality energy. Well, not only that, but I mean, he was wearing some ultra, ultra tight pants that wasn't hiding anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But the main thing I just feel, you know, hey, gone way too soon. Yeah. That was the 70s. I feel yeah, that he had, underwear yeah. was optional. Like, yeah, he uh, had a lot more to, uh, I mean, I feel he had a lot more to share. Yeah, he's like, see, to me, man, I mean, like, he's a sexy balladeer, but he's made some of the funkiest dance tracks ever, man. Well, I mean, like, if you had to talk sexy, or just just in rankings, and you know, different rankings in that in that six man collection, Teddy Pendergrass and Marvin Gaye would fight back and forth with, you know, who was the sexiest one. Marvin would probably edge Teddy out just because he had more songs, um, he had more hits. Marvin Gaye, you know, I don't know how anybody can listen to Sexual Healing, and, you know. <laughs> And not want to uh, be, not want to be wearing a condom. And my third favorite song by Marvin Gaye is "Sexual Healing." It's a great written song, and it's sung by Marvin Gaye. Next subject. <laughs> You're probably already familiar with this album, but have you ever heard that live in London? I think so. Yeah, it's around there, maybe 72, 73, 74, around there. But it was really, 
I mean, the band was killer. Yeah, he was on top of his game, and that Distant Lover, that live version of Distant Lover he does. But yeah, that's, that's got to be my favorite. <laughs> That's how they get some of their best work and best art put out there. Which comes to why I Want You is my favorite album by Marvin Gaye. Um, the guy was in lust. He wasn't in love. He was in lust. And when I bought the CD deluxe set of I Want You, it basically it's a booklet in there that basically talks about how he was in so much lust with the chick that he was in love with and the album just oozes it oozes sex and it doesn't get it doesn't get any groovier than the I Want You album um, Come Live With Me Angel after the dance since I've had you um <laughs> I, I really I, I, it's hard for me to explain why that's my favorite album but um you asked me what's my favorite album I want you with without even giving it a second thought and I love I love um, uh, I want you because I remember that snuck that was the album that was in my house for some strange reason but I love how haunting it sounds. <laughs> I love how haunting it sounds. That's just that's the that's the only reason I love his vocal sounds haunting and his the music sounds haunting. And I and I like after the dance, you know. Love those I love the chord progressions. You know. And I love how like, you know, it comes back later. I love like Back in the day, people did like part one and part two and still dancing and all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of thing. Um, yeah, after the dance. I love after the dance because I love the rhythm of it, really. You know, and like I said, I love that chord progression of I want you. I just like always have any song that has those, that chord progression, I love One look at you, and it was plain to see you were my destiny. Yeah, yeah, we have to. You have to have a whole thing to talk about him and Tammy Terrell, man. Those were really special duets, man. But warm, but warm. It has such a like, like all that music feel warm. To me, it feels warm and it feels like home. He was honest. You know, he was an honest man. You know, even even whatever whatever he was going through, he was honest in the music. You know, he didn't try to separate things. He didn't try to say, okay, today I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm a professional and I do this and I do that. And then in my personal life, it's whatever, whatever. Nah, that all of that stuff goes into the music, the honest artistic statement. And he was, the man was honest. Oh yeah. Well, another, you know, Marvin Gaye, man, what can you say, man? I mean, from my hometown, um, you know, I think some of his family still live in D.C., I think. Um, I mean, for me growing up, you know, um, you know, again, that's the omnipresent guy. You know, that's an omnipresence in my life. You know, it's really hard to put in the words, Marvin Gaye, man, because he was, um, you know, he was, he was, uh, um, uh, what can I say, man? You know, his music and his, his, his talent was like, um, he was that king and everything he touched. He was like that King Midas, man. Distant love, Thank you for listening to episode two of the R&B Teddy Bears. I am your host, Tom Galker, and you're listening to Something Came From Baltimore. Please go on Facebook and follow my guest, Kelly Bell, Ed Turner, Darnell Miller, Vanessa Collier, Lafayette Gilcrest and the Funk Master, Duke Benjamin. Episode three of the R&B Teddy Bears, Isaac Hayes. I met a long time ago. I, I know I ain't never met you, though, but ooh, you look like, like I've been knowing you for a thousand years. Gosh, 
don't know what's happening. You know, I, I'm really involved, but I might be checking you out. You know, my be getting some other reaction. <laughs> Seems to me though that the reason we're together here is that we're supposed to be together. <laughs> Come on, baby, let's go peace loving and check out this new smoke. No, this thing I got, it ain't classified as dope. Smoke I got from Venus. Have had it all week, it's getting old. Come on and try this new thing with me, baby. It's too cold. Come on now, baby. Let's take off clean. Get in this in machine. Seven, 
Thank you for listening to Something Came From Baltimore, the show. Episode two is complete, and episode three is Isaac Hayes. You know, you don't have to wait each week to hear Something Came From Baltimore, the show, because it's a podcast. It's available anytime. We're found everywhere but Spotify. Subscribe and flip it to five, and be a part of that Be More Music scene. Something Came From Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore.